Okay, in this episode, we're going to go over the lower extremity disorders. So we're going to start with the hip. So the first thing in the hip we're going to talk about is avascular necrosis. So this is an insidious onset of dull, achy pain. They may have a history of trauma, recent steroids, or sickle cell. Um, There's a high incidence with femoral neck fracture. So with a femoral neck fracture, you're worried about a avn so you basically in basically what avn is is you um you stop getting blood flow to the an area of the hip and it starts to die so there's in children avm is known as the leg calf perth's disease um diagnosis you need to really see the soft tissue as well so what can you see the soft tissue the best with? MRI. Um, treatment's kind of conservative. Joint replacement. Um, there has been some research that shows bisphosphonates may help this condition. And if you remember those, we usually use those for osteoporosis. Um, next, developmental dysplasia of the hip. So the acetabulum and the femoral head are misaligned. So for um, this makes the joint not stable. So acetabulum and femoral head are not aligned. Um, most common risk factor is a breach delivery. On physical exam, you're going to see unequal leg lengths, asymmetrical skin folds. Diagnose, diagnosis. The diagnosis of congenital hip dysplasia is based on physical exam. So um, you do a hip exam at every well child visit until the child's two years old or until they're walking. Hip tests. Remember Barlow or Delaney. Or Delaney Barlow. That's how. What we're when we're doing those, we're testing for dysplasia of the hip. Okay, so Barlow is when you adduct the hip to cause dislocation. So cause dislocation is Barlow. Or Delaney, you're going to flex and abduct the an- with anterior pressure, and it's going to cause reduction of the dislocated hip. So I just remember bar. If you're going to the bar you're gonna go hard and you're probably gonna get all discombobulated and I don't know that's kind of how I associate it with dislocation like you're or you could even say you're gonna get lost go to the bar you get drunk you're gonna dislocate from your friends and get lost somewhere bar low um you can also get an ultrasound or x-ray if the child's greater than four months um, treatment under six months, you're going to do the pavl- pavlic harness, and over six months, you'll do a hip spica. If they're greater than 15 months, that's surgical. So under six months, pavlic harness. Over six months, hip spica cast. Greater than 15 months, surgery. So fractures and dislocations of the hip. So f- hip fractures. Um, femoral head and neck fractures will present with severe hip pain. You're going to get groin pain, thigh pain, and it's often follows following recent traumas. It doesn't have to be a high-impact trauma, especially in the elderly. Um, 
they fell out of their bed or like it really doesn't have to be a forceful trauma for this to occur especially in the elderly and these patients are going to be in extreme pain um intra-abdominal bleeding occurs in 40 percent of cases so that's something you should definitely look for um there is increased injury of l5 or s1 nerve roots on physical exam your patient is going to have one leg short and the hip externally rotated so they're gonna like that leg that the hip that's effective that whole leg is going to be a slightly frog-legged Diagnosis is x-ray. Treatment, they're going to need an open reduction, internal fixation. They need to go to the OR. You need to consult ortho. Um, and there's a high incidence of AVN with femoral neck fractures. Hipless dislocations. Remember, hip is posterior. So hip posterior versus the arm which is anterior so hip ends with p posterior arm begins with a anterior so since we're talking about hip so hip most common dislocation is a posterior dislocation you're going to see the leg shortened and internally rotated and adducted after a trauma so fractures you're externally rotated dislocations internally rotated diagnostics is still by x-ray so but treatment is closed direction under sedation this also has a risk of avn and sciatic nerve injury so just repeat you're no matter what if you're thinking fracture dislocated you're getting a chest you're a chest x-ray no you're getting just a regular x-ray of that hip and Fractures more likely to present as externally rotated, dislocated, most intern- most likely internally rotated. Both limbs are going to be shortened, and posterior is the most common direction of a hip dislocation. So leg calf purse disease. This is disruption in the blood supply to the head of the femur, which leads to avascular necrosis. This presents in children 3 to 12 years old, and it's kind of the same as regular AVN. It's just going to be an acute or insidious onset of hip pain. They're going to have decreased range of motion and abduction and internal rotation. You're going to diagnose through x-ray. You'll see a crescent sign treatment. Non-weight bearing. Follow up with ortho. Honestly, most resolve with just supportive treatments, so um, not as. These kids are not going to be as urgent, and the pain's not going to be as severe as the slipped capital femoral epiphysis. So, skiffy for short. I will call it for skiffy for now on. So, a skiffy presents as an obese preteen with a limp and pain in his groin. Something that kind of sets these two conditions apart is leg calf purse disease is going to have a painless limp as as skiffy is going to have a painful limp. So those are the two key things that you're going to see in the little question that kind of keys you into which one is which. So the head of the, for skiffies, the head of the femur slips off the neck of the femur. Um, often inferiorly and posteriorly. 
diagnosis, x-ray, you want a frog leg view x-ray. And the treatment for this is surgical, and these kids are strict non-weight bearing. So if a kid comes in, he is they're gonna call him obese. They're gonna say he's an obese twelve year old who has this hip pain and he has a painful limp. You are going to give him crutches. He should not be walking. He needs surgery. Okay, now we're going to go to the knee. So knee, we'll start with prepatellar bursitis. So this is pain when kneeling on the knee. Um, you may see some swelling over the patella, but what we're concerned is we're concerned for septic bursitis. You're going to immobilize for one week with compressive wrap. So bursitis, pain when they put pressure on the knee, so when they're kneeling. Knee osteoarthritis, pain that worsens with activity and crepitus on exam. Treatment, weight loss, PT, exercise. Um, tibial plateau fractures. So these are like a child that's injured in a motor vehicle accident. The lateral plateau is more common than the medial one. Um, for this, we really are concerned about per perineal nerve function so you're gonna look for a foot drop and you may need to get a ct mri to check for that nerve diagnosis is x-ray and if it's non-displaced you can just cast it for six to eight weeks um patella fracture is often caused by direct blow to the knee these patients can't extend the knee so Often it's due to the pull of the quad muscle causing, like you also see like it to be displaced because of the pull of the quad muscle. On x-ray you can see like patella alta, best evaluated on the lateral x-ray, and sunrise view. And you're also going to do a 68 week immobilization. So general, um, to go back and kind of recap, knee dislocation. I didn't even read that one. Anyway, um, knee dislocations are after a high impact and patient cannot extend the knee. So a knee dislocation, high impact, patient cannot extend the knee, a CTA is done to look for the popliteal artery injury. This is an orthopedic emergency and early reduction is essential. You're going to check distal pulses and perineal nerve function through the foot drop so um yeah okay so just to go back and kind of recap prepatellar parasitis pain when you're putting pressure on the knee dislocation patient patient cannot extend the knee we're worried about popliteal artery damage we're getting a cta osteoarthritis pain with worsen activity crepitus um tibial plateau fractures we're going to look for a foot drop, non-displaced cast six to eight weeks. Patella fracture is often caused by direct blow. We're going to get the sunrise view on x-ray and six to eight weeks immobilization. Okay, so ligament and meniscal injuries. We'll start with the ACL because the ACL is the most common ligament to be injured. So patients are going to describe a pop 
after a quick plant and twist injury. So the patient's going to be playing a sport. I've seen basketball the most often. They plant their foot, they twist, they feel pop, the, the knee starts swelling. Test. So Lockman's test is the most sensitive. The knee is placed at, well, the patient's laid flat on their back. The knee is put at a 15 degree angle and you're going to try to in, initiate forward anterior translational movement greater than two millimeters when the tibia is pulled forward is a po- is is positive. So if you're able to kind of pull that tibia a greater than two millimeters forward, that just shows that the ACL is not doing its job and that's a positive test. So Lockman's, I always think of it, It's really not, like, has anything to do with, like, remembering that's ACL, uh, just remembering it's the knee. Like, the knee's not locked in place. You're able to pull it forward. Anterior drawer test. This is similar to the Lockman's, but the only thing that's going to be different is that the knee is placed at 90 degree angle. The only reason why this, so the patient's laying on their back, the knee is put at 90 degrees, and you're still trying to get that forward motion of the tibia. The only difference is that there's like spasm, like reflexive spasms that can occur when the knee is put at 90 degrees, which makes this test less sensitive than the Lockman's. But, okay, diagnosis, often we start with an x-ray, um... Uh, the most common fracture associated with this is the Sagone fracture, and that's an avulsion of the lateral tibial condyle. So Sagone fracture, treatment that's a surgical, they're, you're going to refer to ortho so that they can get all the MRIs and everything. MCL. So this MCL injury, this is a patient who is hit on the lateral side of the knee and now has pain with valgus stress applied to the knee. Um, diagnosis, x-ray, avulsion fracture is the... You can see an avulsion fracture on the x-ray, but the most definitive, obviously, is MRI treatment. Is conservative treatment, bracing, therapy, are typically effective. LCL's injury from a varus stress. Most common is a direct force trauma to the inside of the knee. So... With the MCL and LCL, you got to think where they're at. So MCL obviously is on the medial side of the knee. But so it's giving support to the medial side. So if you're pushing something up against that, that's when the most stress is going to be caused. So medial impacts are going to hurt the medial. Like, so the patient might be hurt on the lateral side of the knee, but just think about where that force is going so like just think of the direction of the force so if the person's hit on the lateral side that force is going towards the medial side so just think of how these ligaments are stabilizing the knee and what type of force needs to be applied to stress out that ligament and you're you will be able to get from the question the answer for this and lco conservative treatment also pcl 
it presents after a fall directly on the knee or like the knee striking the dashboard in the MCV. These PCL injuries are high impact injuries. You're going to get a positive posterior to assign diagnostic MRI treatment, non-surgical. Meniscal tailors. So it's often a twist injury leading to the triad of joint line pain, effusion, and locking. Medial is the most common. Test-wise, McMurray test. So you're going to hear a pop or click when the knee is flexed and externally rotated and extended. So meniscal tear, McMurray. You can also do the Apley test. Um, so this is when the patient's prone, the knee's in 90 degrees, and an axial load with rotation causes pain you're, you're thinking meniscus. So McMurray and Apley in the medial meniscus is the most common. Diagnostic, like MRI. You're not going to be able to see all these soft tissues on just x-ray. Oftentimes we need to get an x-ray first for insurance purposes. And most of the time we have to um, refer to ortho for any of these higher level scans but treatment for a meniscal tear conservative steroid injections and some surgeries of severe persistent i just want to add into here the unhappy or also known as o'donohue's triad that's the acl mcl medial meniscus so that might come up so unhappy or o'donohue's triad you're gonna get um, torn ACL, torn MCL, and medial meniscus. So, Oshgood slaughter disease. This is tenderness over the tibial tubercle in a 10 to 15 year old male who is often involved in sports. Pain with knee extension with a lump below the knee, and you're going to have a prominent tibial tuberosity. So this is activity-related anterior knee pain and swelling. So to differentiate this from, well, it, obviously this is a little bit different than a the skiffy, but for some reason I always get these two confused when I'm looking at an exam. So skiffy is an obese male with a painful limp. Oshkloch slaughter is a very active young male who might be going through a growth spurt who's going to have knee pain and they're going to have in a lot of the questions pain over the tibial tuberosity they'll even tell you the patient has pain with palpation of the tibial tuberosity then you know Oshkud slaughter diagnosis lateral x-ray may show irregular borders and fragmentation treatment this is benign and self-limiting you're gonna do conservative treatment tell the patient to rest it should go away on its own okay moving down to the ankle and foot so let's just start with the ottawa ankle rules so this is kind of the rules that okay so first pain along lateral and slash medial malleolus so you're going to palpate and if there's pain that's an indication for an x-ray so midfoot pain fifth metatarsal or navicular pain or unable to walk more than four steps so the four steps is 
they like to question how many steps it is. Four steps. So a Jones fracture. So Jones fracture is acute transverse fracture through the proximal diaphysis of the fifth metatarsal at the metaphysical diaphysical junction. The pinky toe. You're looking at the the um, closest joint space to the forefoot and if it involves the joint space it's a jones fracture if it's not on the jones for it's not through the joint space and just is on the lateral portion doesn't go the whole way through the joint that's a pseudo jones we're concerned about the jones because there is a complication of non-union or malunion these patients are going to have pain over the lateral border of the forefoot and they have to be six weeks non-bearing and it frequently requires surgery so stress fractures of the foot these are the athletes people in the military it's most common in the third metatarsal you're going to diagnose it by bone scan or mri just rest it so off most of the time we're not gonna be getting an mri on these people because the treatment is just rest talus fracture these are high en- energy traumas a lot of the questions had it as snowboarders diagnostic is x-ray treatment non-weight bearing and often surgical a tibioplafon fracture or a pylon fracture this is a high impact trauma. Diagnosis is x ray, and treatment is uh, open reduction internal fixation. I actually got to um, help f- fixate a pylon fracture in the OR on my surgery rotation. And let me tell you, high incidence of them being pretty badly displaced. So. Um, next, ankle dislocation. So these occur in like MVAs. Problem is you can damage blood vessel nerves and the skin. Diagnostics is x-ray and treatment. You're going to reduce it back. Achilles tendon rupture. So there's an increased risk of this with an antibiotic that we often prescribe. Um, can you think of what that is? What antibiotic has an increased risk of Achilles rupture. Fluoroquinolones, good. Sudden heel pain after a push-off movement. You're going to have a positive Thompson twist. This is when you squeeze the calf, which is known as the gastrocnemius, and you're going to look for plantar flexion of the foot. If plantar flexion is positive, that means that the Achilles is intact and not ruptured but if there is no move no plantar flexion so you're kind of testing that reflex if there's no plantar flexion then that is a positive thompson test and that indicates rupture diagnosis mri is best and you're going to immobilize the patient in plantar flexion and refer to ortho so plantar fasciitis this is pain on the base of the foot in a runner or someone who like chronically walks a lot and so the risk factors for this is chronic overuse stress so nurses common for this to occur in pain can be reproduced with passive dorsiflexion of the foot and toes 
and treatment kind of rest there's some like braces that they can wear at night or um they say rolling their foot over a frozen water bottle but yeah really just rest an ankle sprain the only thing i have for this is that you can get a positive anterior drawer test wrap it rest it and that's it for lower extremity disorders